Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with sober success specialist, Greg Johnson. Thanks for coming on the show, Greg. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Grateful to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. Now, I'm sure you're going to fill us in on exactly what a sober success specialist uh, is and does. But first here, uh, I I was really hoping that you could fill us in on what life looked like for you before you got sober. So where does your relationship with addiction actually start? Take us back if you would. Sure, absolutely. Great question. Um, It started at a very young age. Um, Addiction ran in my family. Um, My father was a, a, a veteran of the Vietnam War. And he was drafted and he came back from the war really with a lot of uh, mental and emotional issues from what he saw. And he picked up some habits when he was over there uh, fighting in the war and that was drinking and using uppers, using speed. And my father never really dealt with those issues. Um, I was a little boy and I remember driving in the car with him, being in the back seat with my brothers and we would be at a family reunion. He would leave with the boys, his sons in the car, and he would drive off, go to the liquor store, come and be driving around with that, with that bottle of beer in the, in the brown bag. I remember that at a very young age. Growing up, my, my parents divorced when I was young, remarried other people in my sophomore year, they got married again. And I remember through my sophomore and senior years of high school, my father with such erratic behavior, he was just a wild man. He would leave, disappear for three days, come back, crash on the couch. And I never really understood his behavior. I had no idea what was going on. I was in high school, excelling in high school, and then having to come home and deal with this erratic behavior at home. And I always questioned that with, with no idea what it was. And I left, I I left the house right after high school and went to Miami. I was in Miami, Florida. I had lost contact with my father for a few years. My parents had separated and divorced for the second time after I left the house. And I lost contact with my father because his behavior, his erratic behavior, his emotional ups and downs were just too much to bear. And frankly, I I was pretty scared of his behavior. I didn't know what was going on. And I remember being in Miami, I was going to school out there, uh, getting my BFA, and I got a call one night, I came home and I had all these messages. This was back in 95, before we had cell phones. I had all these messages on my home phone, you need to call home, Something, something's going on. And I called and I remember uh, getting that phone call, 
my mother told me that my father had died of a drug overdose. Um, they had found him slumped over with a needle in his hand and tourniquet wrapped around his arm. And it just kind of hit me right there. It was like, wow, that's what was going on. There was some sort of drug issue. I really just didn't understand that. Mm. And then two months to the day after my father had passed away, I got another call in Miami. And this call was for my uncle. And I knew my uncle had a raging alcohol issue. He was a raging alcoholic. I remember being a young uh, boy and we'd go to the hospital uh, to see him. He had been admitted because he was bleeding internally. Couldn't find him anywhere. And we finally found him hours later across the street, sitting at the bar in his gown from the hospital drinking. Jeez. And so, yeah. So two months after, uh, two, two months after my father passed away, I got a call and my uncle had committed suicide. He had gone out on an alcoholic bender for the weekend, came home back to my aunt, walked in the house, said, I love you, and walked into the bedroom and shot himself. Um, so when that happened, I just, I lost my mind. I just really just shattered into pieces. And at that time, my, my, my addiction was, I, I guess you could say it was recreational. You know, I would go out and party with fan, uh, friends. We would play hard, work hard, study hard. And after that happened, my addiction just really took off, really, really took off. And uh, I, I was in active addiction for about eight years, struggling with sobriety, not really understanding that it was an issue until ultimately the end there. Um, when, my, when I got that call about my uncle and my father, I was like, I, I had this fear that I would end up like them, Jonathan. I, I had this fear that I was going to go down that same path. And I was really scared. And so I knew I did what I knew best to alleviate that fear. And that was to drink and use drugs. How crazy is that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, and that's part of what I wanted to ask you. You know, I have friends whose uh, dads or, or close family members are alcoholics or drug addicts. Like they've kind of seen that growing up and they have this thought like, okay, I, uh, or to some extent, I guess this is what I wanted to ask you. Like, okay, I need to be careful because I know that to some extent this this thing is there that I could kind of set off almost. Was that, was there any of that thinking going on as you were uh, growing up or even in your college years as you were partying? Like, okay, I better, I better not cross this line because I know where this could lead. Yes. The, the, the thought I had was do not shoot drugs, do not okay. shoot up drugs because okay. that okay. will kill, that will kill you. That, okay. that was my thinking. Do not shoot up drugs because that will kill you. Mm -hmm. I knew there was an issue there yet that fear not wanting to end up like them really ruled me. It really, I was so fearful of that and just, you know, I don't know why I thought this or uh, acted this way, but I, I turned to drugs and alcohol to alleviate that fear. I just, mm -hmm. I couldn't make that correlation. Okay. Um, it was very crazy. Okay. So, and not, uh, you know, you don't need to get specific if you don't want to, but I know you mentioned the way that your dad uh, passed away and was part of the thinking just that like, okay, well, if I do different drugs, uh, then I'm kind of avoiding some of that, but I can still alleviate this, what I'm feeling. Yes. Okay. You know, I, 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 I never really, knew anything about meth. Um, 
I, you know, I, in Miami, we would do a lot of cocaine, we'd mm-hmm. do ecstasy, I would drink, but I, I really didn't understand what that drug was. And now looking back after being sober for 15 and a half years, mm-hmm. I can look back now with clarity and introspection and understand that there was something within me uh, that wanted to know what my father experienced not consciously understanding this, but something deep within me, unconscious, soul conscious, wanted to know what my father experienced. Mm. And I, I did it. Now, while I was going through it, I, I didn't understand that. I didn't know right. that was what I was seeking. But now sitting on the other side of it, I can look back and be like, oh, yes, you know, I really wanted to to know what my father went through. Mm. And guess what? That's that's exactly what happened to me. Wow, that's interesting. So tell me where where this leads. Like, what is the turning point? You know, where how how bad do things have to get before you decide like, okay, I need to do something here? What does the transition into recovery look like? Yes. So I ended up moving back to California in 2001. And when I moved back, I was really in a bad headspace. It was right after 9-11. And I was just not doing well at all. I came back to California after being gone for about eight years. And I really just didn't have a direction or purpose. I was kind of wandering. And um, I ended up getting arrested three times in six months. And I'd never been arrested before. Uh, Two DUIs within two weeks of uh, each other. And so I was court appointed to go to AA in a six month program, 18th month program. And through all that, I just didn't get it. I I believe I was not willing to admit defeat. I wasn't willing to admit powerlessness. And so ultimately, um, through a few years of struggle, um, I got to the point I was on meth. I had been up for about four days and I looked in the mirror one morning. It was about four in the morning. And it it just hit me. There was this moment of clarity, Jonathan, and I just looked at myself and it was like the voice of God. It was this feeling. It was just this knowing. And it said to me, hey, you got to stop what you're doing, because if you don't, you're not going to die. You are actually already dying. You are already dying and you, you have to stop. And for whatever reason, that really got my attention. And that scared me and it, it opened me up to be willing to really do something about what was going on here. It was just that moment of clarity. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And, and so what did those first steps look like? You said at, at one point, obviously you were kind of forced into, you know, 12 step program and, and some other programs, but what did those first few steps kind of on your own look like? What did you do there? Yeah, great question. So I remember that that day I went out to the park here in North Hollywood and I was like, I was so fearful. I was so hopeless. Um, just my, my world had become so small um, and I just didn't really, I, I had no idea what the way forward was. I couldn't see it. Didn't I just didn't know. Even after going through all those programs, I just didn't retain any of that information. And again, I heard that still small voice of God, that feeling that said to me, don't worry about anything, Greg, you're going to be, everything's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And that gave me tremendous uh, hope in that moment. And what happened was um, I went to work that night 
And a friend of mine, I had heard that she had gotten sober about 15 days prior. And, and she, we partied together. <laughs> she's so cute, little girl. Um, we partied together. And she came up to me. She's like, how are you doing, Greg? And I had a baseball cap on. I was waiting tables at the time. And um, I just began to weep. I began to cry. And I said, I'm, I'm not doing too well. And she said, don't worry. I, I understand. She's like, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow at 12 o'clock. And she did. And she took me to some meetings that week at 12 o'clock. And she was really my angel. And it's amazing, Jonathan, once we make that commitment from within, right, that shift that takes place, um, then this universe is magical, right? Things show up. Uh, the doors open up and, and the help arrives right at my doorstep. I didn't have to think about anything. She brought me to those meetings each day. And then she asked me, do you have a sponsor with the 12-step program? I said, no. She's like, don't worry. And she introduced me to my, my sponsor, to who I have to this day. Wow. And we began to work together. And then she took me to a spiritual community and she had tried to get me to go to a spiritual, this spiritual community for years mm -hmm. would invite me and ask me. And I said, no, I'm not interested. Don't want any part of it. And finally she asked me again and I said, yes. And I walked into that spiritual community and uh, Michael Beckwith with Agape International Spiritual Center. And I walked in there and I heard him speak and it was as if he was speaking directly to me. And in essence, he was speaking about the four-step cleaning house, clearing house, cleaning up mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And again, I just began to weep and I, and I knew I was home. And I threw myself into the course of study there, four-year program, uh, to become licensed as a spiritual practitioner there. Never wow. looked back. Wow. That, that's an amazing story. And it is a really incredible thing. You know, I think that, that once we are ready and we kind of open the door to some type of help and you said ad admit defeat that's how i would describe it for myself uh you know it's it, it is an interesting thing how these doors open and people appear and uh you know some type of solution is uh is presented to us um so that's that's really awesome now i do want to ask you you start to get sober and one question i do like to ask is really around what people struggled with most early on in sobriety. So, you know, as you started going to these meetings and, and you started working on your spiritual life, so to speak, what was the struggle there? Like, what, what were you having a tough time with early on, would you say? Gosh, so many fears. That's a very good question. I would say, uh, based upon my past experience with sobriety, uh, my inability to stay sober, my inability to live a sober life, that was a big fear. Yeah. Um, and not just not knowing the way forward, not knowing the way forward. Um, and that lack of hope and faith and anger and all of those motions. Um, you know, I had built my life around using right we hear this oftentimes with with folks that use that i had built my life around it everything revolved around it that it was calculated i would get off work i would call my dealer i would score i would use and just repeat that cycle over and over again and so the struggle i remember early on getting off work and wanting to call my dealer right and 
I knew I couldn't. So I had to do something else. Mm -hmm. So I just had this list of men, their numbers uh, that I met in meetings. And I would just call one after the other after the other until I got someone on the phone that spoke directly to the need in that moment, spoke directly to the fear that I was experiencing, right? Can I get through this moment? Can I not call the dealer? And sure enough, they would get me through that moment. So just those fears, right? Creating this new life in sobriety. What does it look like? How am I going to live sober? How am I going to have the strength to do this? Those sort of fears. Yeah, no, I I get that 100%. And that was very similar to some of the fears I had just because those habits are so ingrained in us. But I think that, that what you did there is you took some kind of opposite action, right? Uh, and, and I think that's really what's, uh, what's necessary. We got to use the, the tools that are presented to us. And that's, um, you know, I, I love when I just hear those different instances of other people being able to, uh, to help, because that's really what this is, what this is about, right? So, yeah, yeah. uh, Tell us about your work a, a little bit. What is a, a sober success specialist and how do you help people in their, in their sobriety? Beautiful question. Um, and if I may add on to what we were just talking about, yeah. um, the, the, another fear was um, you know, this relationship with God and it ties mm-hmm. into what you're asking mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this relationship with God, you know, because of my past and losing my father and my uncle, mm-hmm. that I had really turned my back on God and I was mad and angry at God. And I didn't understand why God would do such a thing, right? right. To, like bring such tremendous pain and, and suffering and loss into my life. And so that, that was a big, big fear in the, the, the initial stages of creating a life of sobriety and nag- navigating that. And so, as I said, walking into that spiritual community and throwing myself into a four-year study there, I was so bad off that I needed something in addition to the program of AA. Right. AA uh, allowed me to, tr- to treat the disease of alcoholism, to understand what that is and how to treat it and how to live with it. And so and it introduced me to a God of my understanding. And so with the spiritual community, that really allowed me to deepen because I was so sick, Jonathan. I was so sick mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And so with having the two, it allowed me to to really uh, awaken to understand about this, this power of God as we understand it and allowed me to create an intimate relationship with it. And so that is the work that I do. That is the work I'm about. And I absolutely know that all that experience that I went through prepared me. It has prepared me for the work that I do. Um, I had to go through that. I had to lose my father. I had to lose my uncle. I had to suffer with my own addiction in order to be here 15 and a half years later to be with you in this moment so that we should have, we can have this beautiful conversation about sobriety and what it is and what it looks like. And so I became licensed as a spiritual practitioner. And when you are licensed, the doors open. It's like, well, what are you, what are you going to do with your practice? What does your practice look like? Mm-hmm. And I began to work with clients individually. And what happened was my, my best friend, his wife opened a treatment facility here in Los Angeles. And they invited me in to begin to do groups and work with clients individually there. 
And so through that, the doors just opened up and I began consulting in other facilities in Malibu and Calabasas and working with those individuals that were suffering with addiction. Mm. And it, it it's flourished. It, it's just been incredible. And so really taking that work of a spiritual foundation, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we find ourselves so lost, so confused, so disconnected, right? And this work is about allowing those suffering with addiction to, to gain connection, connection with self, connection with a higher power as they see that higher power, whatever that thing is, right? Connection to their own worth, their own value, connection to their deserving. Oftentimes we find ourselves uh, lacking that, right? The, the ability to love ourselves, the ability to know that we deserve this beautiful life of sobriety. And so just working with that right there. And when we address that, it, it takes off all of the bondage that we place upon ourselves and allows us to just flourish and live our best sober life. Well, I really like that. And so, yeah, I wanted to ask you about the the, the spiritual side of this, since you are a spiritual uh, practitioner, where does that really fit into sobriety? Do you think? I mean, I, I know you kind of described that with yourself a little bit, but like just in, in the big picture, like as a whole, like where do you see that that fitting into um, all of this? Everywhere, hmm. everywhere, everywhere. Um, you know. W- we look like human beings, don't we, right? We look like we're solid beings, but actually scientifically proven that we are not. We are, we are energy. We are made up of the substance of the universe. And so we are human beings having a spiritual experience, hmm. right? And oftentimes uh, working with others, you know, th- that question we ponder, well, what, what is this spiritual experience? What is this spiritual awakening? I, I don't know if I've had it. I don't know if right. I've had this spiritual experience. Right. And it, it's just, it is our breath. It is our heartbeat. It is, it is everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, and, and I do want to ask you more about this because I'll just tell you, and, and I've shared with the listeners before that, uh, the the spiritual aspect of all this is something that initially I didn't want anything to do with. And, uh, and really, even after I had a few, you know, spiritual experiences, so to speak, and I started to see this working in my life. um, And even with a few, a, a few years, or maybe a couple years of sobriety, it's not something I really talked about all that much it wasn't that i that i didn't believe or i didn't see it working in my life it's just um it wasn't something that i really mentioned too often in part like just to give you a a specific example you know if i started sponsoring a guy like it just wasn't something i didn't want to like scare them off you know and then what i started to see is it's like you know, if someone's not, you know, ready for this, like, it's probably, that's probably not going to be the thing that's going to drive them away. Like, it'll, it'll be something else, probably, you know, or they'll find a a reason not to do this yet, because that's, that's what I did. I just looked for, you know, whatever it was, and and wasn't ready at the time, uh, a couple of times before I got sober. 
But, uh, you know, the truth is, is it the spiritual aspect of all this has played a, a major role in my sobriety um, and a major role in my life. And I just felt like it wasn't really true to my experience, um, you know, not to talk about that a little bit. And, and so I want to ask you here in just a second, um, you know, I'll just say this, like for me, it just became harder and harder to, de to deny that there was something bigger out there, right? And so I know a lot of people struggle with this, right? Like this spiritual side of things. And so I'm very grateful that I just kind of like, again, like surrendered or said like, okay, I'll, I'll give this a shot. Um, but for someone out there that might be struggling with this, whether they're, they're just trying to get sober, or maybe they've been sober for a little while and they feel like, you know, the spiritual aspect is lacking in their life. Like what, what would you say to them? Do you maybe have some suggestions that, that might help them get a little more connected or open up their mind a little bit to the spiritual side of all this? Absolutely. Okay. Um, with that question, I would, if I may ask you, yeah. I would love to ask you what allowed you to choose. You, you talked about that you were kind of denied it for a little bit. What allowed you to finally make that shift? Why? Why? Yeah. So the and and thank you because I, I I didn't want to go on and on there, but if that is important, the main thing that really helped me is I saw people in meetings talking about how important it was to them. And specifically for me, I saw younger people in meetings and they weren't afraid to talk about the spiritual aspect of all this and just how much that improved their life. And I saw that they weren't just sober, they were happy and, and seemed to be living some type of, of successful life. And they were attributing a large part of that to yes, all, all the work in, in the 12 step program and all that stuff, but to like the spiritual aspect specifically. Beautiful. I love that. What you say about a happy and successful life, right? Mm -hmm. That you, you actually saw folks talking about it and experiencing this thing of spirituality mm -hmm. and availing themselves to it. And that there's this sense of joy and happiness and success that lies right there, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe that when we are sick and tired of being sick and tired, we are sick and tired of the pain, that th there is this experience, this spiritual experience that awaits us. the spiritual experience that awaits us. And if we just say yes to it, right? This willingness to endeavor, to create a relationship with something that's greater than ourselves, that serves us so beautifully. It's the faith of a mustard seed, right? The mustard seed is so tiny and that thing is planted in the ground. It demands very little water, very little care, yet it grows and takes over. It just flourishes and grows everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're talking about here. Just the ability to trust just enough, just an inkling. And God, higher power, shall take care of all the rest. And I, I see that with client after client that come in, that I work with, that are mad at God, that are angry at God, that do not believe in God and are able to just surrender in a moment, just a moment in an instance. It's kind of like the Big Bang, right? When the mm -hmm. universe was created in the flash of an eye, a blink of an eye. 
And that's what we're talking about here. Now, spirituality can be so daunting, right? Like we, we hear so much about God. We've been conditioned. Right. God is a loaded word, religion, right? Um, and we, we just have all of this belief about it. And so what I love to do is just boil it down to its simplest, simplest qualities. Spirituality, and you nailed it, Jonathan, is about happiness. It's about success. It's about joy. It's about love. It's about freedom. It's about loving ourselves and understanding that we are deserving and worth this beautiful life. That's spirituality. That right there, that is the heartbeat of it. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. I, I want to ask because you mentioned religion, and um, you know, I'm, I have my thoughts on this, but I'd like to ask someone that's you know uh, an expert in the in the field here and probably has these conversations a lot. Um, you know, I've definitely known people, sponsored guys that uh, maybe when they uh, come into recovery, like they are you know, involved in, uh, some type of religious, uh, you know, they have a religious affiliation. I'll put it that way. Right. They go to church or whatever. And when they hear spirituality, sometimes that can kind of throw things off a little bit, right? It sounds maybe sacrilegious, or it sounds like maybe, um, someone's trying to change what they believe in or something along those lines. I want to ask you this. Let's say there's someone that's listening and uh, they are, you know, related to a, a religion somehow, right? They go to church and they're kind of thinking what I just said, like, don't screw with my God, basically, right? I have that figured out. How does spirituality get get kind of linked in there? Do you, do you, does that make sense, what I'm asking here? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And great. I love these great, great conversation. Um, so it's kind of like the, the remember the debate that was always had about uh, creation versus evolution, mm -hmm. right? Is it mm -hmm. creation or is it evolution, right? Well, creation is an evolutionary process, mm. right? And so religion is spirituality, that it is not separate. It is all the same. It's one and the same. And so we are not here to change your belief. We are here to allow you to know and understand what it is you believe, mm. because it is our beliefs that show up as the manifestation of our life, right? And so oftentimes, I know for myself, my little old stinking beliefs were running my life, and I didn't even know it, and I didn't even know what my beliefs were, and that's why I was so freaking miserable, right? because I was mad at God, I was hurt, I was wrapped in that pain and the belief that I constru constructed based upon the past. And that was running my life and I had no idea. I had no idea, I was so unconscious, right? So unaware. And so this work is about identifying and understanding and knowing what it is you believe and if you those beliefs are serving your life. So we are here not to change belief. We are here to allow you to understand and know what it is do you believe so that you can change them if you desire. Do these beliefs serve you? Are they allowing you to live your best life? Entirely up to you, right? It, it yeah. is your choice. It is your belief. And whatever you believe is perfect because your belief gives meaning to your life and nothing else. Hmm. 
I really like that. that. That's a great answer and a great way to describe that. And, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you kind of what I've come to see in, in just recovery in terms of uh, how it relates to spirituality or, or a higher power God is that, you know, whether someone like me kind of comes into this deal and look, I, I was raised Catholic, but I would kind of consider myself agnostic to some degree when I came in here. Like I, I believe there was something out there, just no relationship, didn't know what it was, no, no connection whatsoever. Um, so whether it's someone like, like me or whether it's someone that's coming in and again, they feel like they have this connection. They feel like they know exactly what it is. In my mind, we're all kind of coming in on the same footing. You know, I, 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 when I was coming in, I was feeling like I was at a disadvantage to some degree because I was like, man, I just, I don't know what it is. You know, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, but I, I really feel like we're all kind of on a level playing field um, because of this. You know, if, if someone like me comes in um, and like you're saying, it's all about getting a better understanding, right? Um, it's like, okay, well, let's kind of work on that. Let's figure out maybe what are some of the attributes you would like in a higher power, you know, and, and that's kind of a cool thing, right? So let's work on that. And then if someone's coming in and they already think they have a good understanding of, of who their higher power is, it's like, well, we kind of need to look at that too, because if you have this great relationship, why were you out there doing some of the things you were doing, right? So I think it's, it's in my mind, and, and I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on this, but it's no matter where you're coming from, when you come into this deal, it's let's just improve that relationship overall. Is that what? What do you think about that? I, I absolutely agree with that, Jonathan. I absolutely believe that. Um, I believe that everything we go through, everything in life, is directing us towards that endeavor right there. Right to to create a relationship with something higher and greater. Right. This this universe is so magical. I said that earlier. So mystical. Right. And there's so much. There are things that we know we know. There are things we know we don't know. And then there are things we don't know that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so, availing ourselves to that which we don't know that we don't know. Right. And that's, that's that moment you talked about when we, when we surrender to this understanding that we are powerless over drugs and alcohol and that our life is unmanageable. And when we make that decision right there, it creates this opening, right? This, mm -hmm. this beautiful thing happens to us where we allow ourselves to open up and to avail ourselves to the things that we don't know that we don't know. Um, that saying contempt prior to investigation, right? Right. Contempt prior to investigation. Mm -hmm. We think we know all this about something we don't even know anything about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's the beauty of this thing, right? The relationship that we create, it is a relationship that we create with something higher and greater. And we know that when we create intimate relationships in the world, that it takes time. It takes investment. It takes us getting to know the individual. And that's what we're doing here with this higher power, right? We are creating a relationship with it. And it is an ongoing, ever expansive endeavor. 
that it is always, always changing and, and morphing. And, and it's, you know, it's just so rich. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's really awesome. I want to switch gears here. I want to ask you, I know that, uh, and this would probably make sense just being where you are out in, out in California, you work with uh, a lot of VIPs. I'm, I'm assuming people that uh, you've worked with some people that, you know, we would for sure know who they are. I want to ask if, if there is maybe some difficulty arises with these individuals being that they probably still have some success going on in their lives, right? Um, and, and I guess my question is, have you seen that, that with these people that, you know, have successful lives, they haven't lost everything, I guess is my point, right? There's still some, some good things there. They still got some money in the bank. Maybe they still got houses, cars, whatever. Is it hard for them to see that, that things have become unmanageable? And, and how do you kind of, how do you help them to see that like, Hey, you know, th things are unmanageable. Like you need to do something about this. Yes. Great question. Um, so oftentimes we gauge our success by the external, right. By the, right. the material, right. We, exactly. we gauge our success in that, that, that component. Um, and so really the true measure of success comes from within, comes from within the way we feel, the way we think, the way we believe, the way we know, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so that creates a, a certain way in which we show up in the world. Mm -hmm. So that is the way we refine that, not measuring success based upon the external mechanisms of life, looking within looking within and understanding the level of joy and happiness and the deserving level and the, the, the sense of self-love, that is the true measure of success. And so when we redefine that and look in those, look at those components of living, it, it just changes everything, right? And that's, that's why the, the drug and alcohol abuse is so, is, is I don't wanna say prevalent, but that, that's why it, it can be so intense with those individuals, because the measure of success is being monitored or defined by the external means. And I have all that, but yet I'm so miserable. Mm. And so that is the powerful work that we do, just allowing the client to look within. And that can be daunting, right? Because I'm, I'm this caliber, I have this success, so I should be happy. Right. Why am I so freaking miserable? Right, and right. that could be daunting to, to have to do that on one's own. And so that is the power of the work that we do to just gently guide an individual back to the seat of their soul and allow them to go deep within and not have to worry about it. Guide them. They don't have to think about it and ex excavate what needs to be excavated. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I wanted to ask if maybe you could tell us a little bit, and I think you've filled us in a little bit here, but maybe what your recovery looks like today you know what you continue to do to to grow and um i really like grow in your sobriety as opposed to to maintain but grow in your sobriety yes, i love and, that and, and maybe how that's uh changed a little bit during you know all this covid stuff if, if it has it all absolutely so i would say uh in the beginning of creating this sacred i call it a sacred way of life mm -hmm. right this mm -hmm. sacred way of living um still doing everything that I did 
in the initial beginning and today as you say grow in this thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the spirituality of this thing the spiritual uh practice is even more intense okay more meditation more yeah. prayer uh, i spend a lot of time on the phone uh talking to individuals praying with individuals i pray a lot a lot a lot during the day um and so that has grown right i believe as we grow in our sobriety we we get the fruits and the gifts of sobriety the material aspect of it right life gets bigger and greater and more responsibility right. oftentimes and so the higher we go there the deeper we go within the deeper we go in our connection in our gratitude um always cherishing the sobriety each day as i get another day deepening in my gratitude for this gift and really really understanding the gift that we have and understanding why it is that i have this gift and giving thanks and praising god for that wow yeah that's that's awesome i think you've given us some some great things to think about here for sure in terms of uh of spirituality and just like i said kind of growing uh that and and in our sobriety i'm wondering if there's maybe one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation whether it's for someone that is uh new to sobriety and struggling or uh you know maybe they've been around for a while and they just kind of can't find their their way or that happiness that we were speaking about earlier, if maybe you have a, a piece of advice for them. Yes. Um, my grandmother comes to mind. I hear a beautiful voice. Uh, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Everything is in flux. Everything is in change. And the state of being that we find ourselves in today, you know, that, that confusion and chaos and struggle, uh, it's only temporary. And it is the greatest gift because it is the very thing that gets our attention, that wakes us up, that we understand that we can change and do something about it. We do not have to stay stuck there. Um, and you do not have to struggle alone. You do not have to do this thing alone. There, there are so many resources out there. And I, I want to thank you for the platform that you offer up, this powerful uh, Sober Nation podcast that you that you provide right and so this is one aspect of that help but you do not have to struggle alone there's so much help out there mm, that's awesome advice i really i really love that so you can learn more about greg and his work by visiting soberheart.org thanks again for coming on the show greg jonathan thank you so much for having me great conversation be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.